If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Quantum Revenue Expansion, where we share time-tested strategies to turn your annual revenue into your monthly revenue. Ready to up-level your business and your life? Then you will love listening in on the lively conversations Ursula has with her clients and guests as they share exactly what they did to grow and scale their business exponentially. Plus, you will discover how to experience more freedom, joy, and peace in your business and your life right now. If turning your annual income into your monthly income is your next step, then join us at the next 2X Intensive. Go to UrsulaInc.co slash apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Quantum Revenue Expansion, the podcast where we talk about turning your annual revenue into your monthly revenue. Happy New Year, everybody. Super excited to kick off the year with the very cool, very amazing Rebecca Hall. She's back. She's a fan favorite. And we're today we're going to be talking about the seven success secrets of successful CEOs. Say that 10 times fast. The seven success secrets of successful CEOs and how you can emulate them here in 2023 to take your business beyond the next level, like wherever it is that you want to go. So I've been wanting to do this show with Rebecca for quite a while. I mean, we have, we've worked with some of the coolest CEOs you could ever imagine. We're working with them right now. We've seen them go from $1,000 a month to multi-millions in a short amount of time. They all have their unique story, but I think what's really cool is they also share, they share some secrets to their success, which is what we're going to talk about, like what we've picked up over the years, what we've seen, and also really, you know, kind of weaving in some of our success secrets. So grab a pen and paper, and I just want to say hi to Rebecca and welcome back. Hey, thanks. I, we should just do this all the time. I think I we should just get our own show. Let's like, just do this. Every okay. week. Well, that's, that's just what maybe we do. that's next. We got to talk about that. <laughs> so for those of you, if you haven't been listening, definitely go back and listen to some of the past shows that I've done with Rebecca. We've talked about everything from systems to sales to blocks and breakthroughs. And Rebecca Hall, if you don't know her, has over 20,000 years of experience. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Combined, we think we have about 50 years of coaching and business experience. So she's got about 20 years of business experience plus coaching, you know, thousands, like over 3,000. We've lost count clients over the years, business owners just like you who 
have been determined to get their business to that next level. She's done everything from manage private aircraft to help some of the top speakers in the world, top coaches in the world, take their businesses beyond what they ever could have imagined. And then everything in between. Rebecca geeks out on systems, operations, process, all that stuff that I'm kind of like, that is like her sweet spot. And that's why we complement each other so well, because I love all the other stuff, sales, marketing, quantum mindset. And at the same time, we definitely overlap in those areas as well. So that's Rebecca. If you haven't met her yet, definitely go back and listen to some of the past shows. So we're just going to dive in. And this is like, this is going to be gold. So if you haven't, like I said, take out a pen and paper in your journal, because often just one idea can give you that breakthrough you've been looking for. Maybe it's that breakthrough from you know, six to seven figures or seven to eight figures, or maybe it's just getting through that first six figures, which can be the hardest six figures you'll ever make. That's what we see with our clients. So whatever it is, get ready for that one breakthrough idea that can help you really catapult to that next level this year. So success secret number one. And this, (laughs) this is one of the things we've noticed because we've coached you know, varying sizes of businesses from startups to Rebecca's coach, hundred million dollar companies. I've grown $20 million companies myself. I've worked with owners of other companies. And one of the big secrets is they have really, really big goals from the get-go. And I can think of an experience and then Rebecca, I'll have you chime in mm-hmm. of meeting one of our clients at a free view event. And I remember that she came and talked to me afterwards and her business at the time was at about a thousand dollars a month. And, you know, she just, she just looked me in the eyes and she's like, listen, what do I have to do to have a million dollar business? And I think Rebecca, you and I've heard that we've heard it over and over again, but sometimes like you just know, I just like, when I looked at her eyes, I was like, she's going to do this and she's going to do it fast. Like I just had this knowing but from the get-go, like she had no reason to believe she could have a multi-million dollar company. Like there was nothing in her family. No one in her family had a multi-million dollar company. No one around her had a multi-million dollar company. She just like had this burning desire. And she somehow, she just had this knowing that a million dollar company was meant for her at a time when she was about a thousand dollars a month. So, yeah. so Rebecca, like, how have you seen this show up in terms of, you know, CEOs, like having the really like holding these really big goals that just don't even seem possible in that yeah. moment. Well, the funny thing is, is the big goal actually isn't the dollar amount. It's the lifestyle that those dollars create. And that when I see people that they, you know, and obviously a lot of people have heard, you know, Simon Sinek's like, you know, find your why. It, it's like that, but it's different. It's it's actually a very like meticulous, like, hey, a million dollars, like for this particular client, a million dollars got her the vacation home, the life she wanted. It um, you know, got her husband retired, like all of this. Like it was, it was what was encompassing that possibility and that big goal. And so any of the big leaders, they have big visions. Yeah. And so The thing is, though, is we live in a world where we adopt currency as a way of measurement of whatever life you have, right? So when we when we say, "Well, I want a million dollars," but you have no idea, this is why when I when when the companies are like or people say, "Hey, I want this much money," my very first question is, "Well, what are you going to do with it?" And that stops about eighty percent of the people. 
Like, because they're so attached to the dollar, they actually have no idea what that dollar amount can do for them. They've never thought of it. They just thought, that's my bar. That's what I'm hitting. And then they actually don't know. And what you don't know is underneath that, if you don't have the plan, and this is what Ursula says, money needs a plan. If you actually don't know what you do, and like, yes, go buy a nice house, go buy a nice car. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But what is your legacy when you hit that? And if you can attach to that, that creates the big goal that actually is a possibility for you. And then you see evidence of that everywhere, right? Yeah. That's why you follow the, the Warren Buffett's of the world anyways. But how much do you know about Warren Buffett and what he does with his money? Not the, not the little stuff. They still lives in the same house that he, you know, he grew up in and all that stuff. But like, what really is the purpose behind that? And when you have that vision, that's what creates the container for you to actually hit that big goal. Yeah. So like that, oh my gosh, so many things to unpack, but money definitely loves a plan. We mm -hmm. say that a lot. And I remember I learned that from a CEO who I was coaching. Like he, like in the beginning, I mean, I'd grown a $20 million company for somebody else, but I hadn't grown my own you know, company in that way yet. And he had, he was taking his business from, I think he took it from 3 million to 5 million. And I asked him, I just remember saying to him, I was like, so what, what do you feel like the secret to your success was? And he was, he said two things. One, I give it all to God and two, money loves a plan. And I was like, tell me more about that. And he goes, well, I always tell my money where to go. He's like, I just needed more money because I had a bigger vision. I had a bigger plan. And I, that just always stuck with me because you're right. It's like the secret underneath all of this is what, why do you want more money? Because if you don't know, it's not going to show up. And like, like you said too, it's like at some point, you know, you can't buy any more stuff. I remember, I remember another client, a San Diego client saying to me one time, she, well, she asked me a question. She's like, do you know what the best day in my business ever was? And I said, well, I didn't know, you know, I, I had no idea. And she said, it wasn't growing it to 10 million. It was the $200,000 check. The first, she said the first $200,000 check I gave to my church, because that was the best day in my business ever. And I thought, wow, isn't that, isn't that interesting? Right. And so Rebecca, when you talk about legacy and like, you know, where, where this, having that bigger vision, because part of it, think about this too. Part of it is having that bigger vision and knowing where you want your money to go. Take the pressure off your back of right now, right? Like of like, oh, I'm just doing this. It's just transactional. No, it's not like this is for a much bigger vision. And so Rebecca, I know you and your family, I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing just the, like, you know, you've gone through the process of even creating a foundation now. And I think that was, was that after you read the book about the Rockefellers? Did that inspire you? Um, yeah, it was a combination of that and team, which we'll talk about later. But uh, I mean, I did it for a lot of reasons. Like, uh, of course, like a lot of people, when you think, well, when I make it, who can I help? So my wife and I are very aligned in like the legacy we want to leave. Uh, we were very clear that we don't want any of our children to be able to quit their jobs when we die. <laughs> so um, you know, like what, like it's having the stewardship, like how can this be a legacy and help a lot of people? And then because we have the right team members, um, when we did sell, uh, they, they're like, oh, you need, you know, to save taxes, you, you know, do a foundation, uh, which, you know, you're, you either can give that money to taxes or you can give it to people and the causes that you believe in. So that, that is what spurred that. But yeah, I mean, we, and we still have big plans for that. Um, our foundation actually fundraises now and, and we use it. We've been able to build a, a school and garden in Kenya. We've been able to work on wildlife projects um, and things on that. Our passion is anything that would regenerates the earth. Uh, so whether that's through education or, or um, actual just 
tilling the ground um, yeah. in responsible ways. So that, that's what we're passionate about. Yeah, I love it. Well, we haven't built a foundation yet. It's definitely on our list. Tim and I talk about that a lot. What's great, I know, like for Tim and I, what's great is that when an organization reaches out or when, you know, a charity or one of our favorite nonprofits needs something or we just see a need, we don't have to think about it. We can just go, let's just do this. Like recently we had something with Lucas school and there was this list of winter and Christmas needs that the school had. And we just kept looking at it. And every time I looked at it, I was overwhelmed. First of all, I'm not a great shopper. I didn't even know where to start. I was like, how many pairs of mittens do they need? How many gloves? How many pairs of boots? Like how many Christmas presents are on this list? Like kids that were, the parents were asking for like fidgets for Christmas. Like it was heartbreaking. Right. Mm-hmm. And so finally I just went to Tim and I'm like, I can't read this list anymore. I can't shop this list. Like, can we just fix this? And so between us and another family member, we just funded the whole thing and it just felt awesome. amazing. Yeah. And because I mean, out of all the things I'll probably do this Christmas season, like that was, that was the highlight. So yeah. having the big vision and having the money to do what you want when you want is definitely one of those secrets. So for those of you listening, make 2023 the year that you really create a plan for your money and a plan that speaks to your heart. Like, why do you really do this? What would you love to be doing with your money? And I guarantee you, your revenue will grow just by doing that. Yeah. All right. Give yourself the gift of the big goal. There's nothing wrong with wanting a lot. Right, right. We get, we have to do, we do a whole show on, you know, just the limiting yeah. beliefs about what I can have, or like, to me, that's an epidemic. Maybe that's one of the shows we'll do next. We'll see. Okay. That. Put a pin All right. So we're got seven success secrets. So the second success secret, and this is something we see over and over with our clients, which I love because it's super inspiring is that they don't take no for an answer. They just like, Someone tells them no, and they say next. They don't say, oh, okay, you're right. They're just like, all right, well, you know, how could this be created another way? And sometimes I'll say this. Sometimes Rebecca and I, as coaches, just like we have coaches, our clients come to us to hold, we'll hold that belief that it's possible. Like I can think of a client right now who just became a number one best-selling author. And she even said, like, I didn't, I didn't believe it could happen, but I let Ursula and Rebecca hold that belief in the community of CEOs, hold that belief with me until it happened. Right. And so just not taking no stepping into the yes. And as one of my coaches always tells me and reminds me on the regular that, um, there's always a way you just keep going. So Rebecca, how have you seen this show up with our clients? Yeah. Um, I think, well, and I think what's funny is like how I'm expected to do it as a coach, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you're you're supposed to tell me the red light and the green light and everything. And it, to an extent, yes. But part of that is um, I'm not the be all end all, like the all possibilities still exist, no matter how many businesses I've coached, like, you know, I can be, and so I'll coach and say, well, most of the time I've not seen this work, but like, you know, how do you see it different? So definitely don't want to stifle creativity. And I think that's why they don't take no for an answer. And there's, there's a difference between taking a mitigated risk or being willing to change your perspective perspective or try something in a different way. So I just want to be super clear about that. Um, Cause yes, isn't always the right answer. It, it might be yes. And, or yes, but, or, you know, how else can we look at this? But, you know, we, it's scientifically proven that when you think something's not possible, you hear the no, literally the synapses in the brain shut down because now this is no longer a possibility. That's why it's so important to not take no 
or to, to not take no for an answer. But at the same time, I want to flip to the side and be like, we're not going to be mavericks and just say yes to everything and figure it out. Uh, it really is about hearing a no or hearing a block maybe, or a, a challenge, but then like looking at it from a different way. So it's being a little bit more strategic. Yeah. Um, so I did want to be really clear about not taking no, because it doesn't mean we always take yes. It just means that we get thoughtful and strategic and we always are open to the possibility of like, how can this happen? And timing's an interesting thing on that as well. Sometimes it's not right to do it now, but it's better to do it at another time. So living in that awareness and like tuning in is really what's going to help you with yes and no's. Um, and we talk a little bit about that when we talk about human design, which I know is a whole other show, but uh, that that's, very, I think that's where we really want to land with this particular uh, success secret is really understanding internally your no's and your yeses. And I, I would add that for a lot of our clients, especially those who make that quantum leap really quickly, it's definitely a calculated strategic plan. Mm-hmm. It's something where they've weighed the risks already. And they're like, they, this is what I'm going after. I'm not going to take no, because I, I just know, or I have this knowing, or they've leaned into their human design, their intuition. They're like, yeah, this is, this is it. Or you yeah. might say they know that this is true in their hearts. Like I hear a lot of our clients say, I just, I just knew that this had to happen. It was going to happen. I claimed it, that kind of thing. So you're right. Like be, be discerning. We're not going to maverick, but if it's something that, you know, that, it just, it, it's like, it has to happen or you've been wanting it for a long time, then lean, definitely lean into that. It's a co-creation, right? Yes. Even you and I deal with that where it's like, oh, I want to do this. And you're like, well, <laughs> right. Like it's not like we're uh, down the line on every single thing. And it's also like, we don't stomp on the other person. It really is a co-creation. And uh, you know, like you and I use this to benefit from the different sides of the coin that we come from with aligned with the same vision and the same yeah. Well, and we have such weirdly different brains that a lot of times we're saying the same thing, but from different, different perspectives. And then we're like, oh, so then we come up with this really cool kind of mid solution that we, neither one of us thought of, which is powerful. All right. So going on from our weird brains. So our really successful CEOs, they lead from the front. Now, that doesn't mean they do everything, but they are aware of everything. And Rebecca, I know you love talking about leadership. And this is something we talk with our clients about. In fact, we were just talking about this yesterday, right? Because sometimes it's, we can feel like, you know, we, we just want to hand, we want someone to do all of our sales or we want someone to do all of our marketing. We just want to go, I hate sales. So you do it. Or I hate marketing. So you do it. Or I hate systems and processes. So you do it. But there's a fine line in there from just like throwing it at someone to leading it. What would you say that difference is or what, what's important? Well, the first thing is anytime we hand anything off like that in our business, we've now made that person the owner of the business in a sense, right? Right. You know, leading from the top, like I'm, you know, I'm trying, I always like to think in metaphors and, you know, it's football season right now. We're coming towards the, the important part of football season. So what's interesting is you have captains of the team and captains set the tone. They set the pace, just like a coach right? You can have the best players in the world, but if you have a crappy coach, they follow the leader. So, you know, this is kind of a twofold success. Like number one, you've got to lead from the top and usually you lead from the vision, you lead from culture and your team does look at you for direction. Even if it's like your hired out CPA, right? Right. 
That's a big one. Like, I don't know anything about finance. I'm not good at math. So my CPA, it's your job. Everything's on you. And it's like, <laughs> uh, and you know, we say you don't have to, you don't have to do everything, but you do have to have your hands on the wheel, right? Like you do have to lead it. You do, you do need to set the pace. You need to set the tone of culture, of work ethic, of how to handle clients. Like, and honest, here's the truth. <laughs> I'm like, here comes the, the hammer. The, the truth is, if you're not willing to do that, it business actually might not be for you. And you look at any of the big leader, you know, any of the big companies, they were willing to lead, even when it wasn't popular, even when maybe it wasn't their favorite thing. They were really good at enrolling other people if they didn't want to actually do the thing, but they always led it, you know? So yeah. I think, you know, Check in with your spirit on how you feel about leading marketing, sales, finance, fulfillment, and operations in your business. Don't have to do it, but you do have to lead it. You do have to give expectations to who will be doing it. You do have to give them rails. You do have to have benchmarks of, of how this thing in the business it, you know, is successful. Um and sometimes I, you know, I had talked to someone yesterday and they were like, I just don't believe that, you know, she's done so much with entrepreneurs or coaches. And they're like, well, if you want to be a business owner, you have to do this. And she's like, I don't, I just don't believe that anymore. I can't be good at everything. And I'm like, yeah, you can't, but you can lead everything. You can have the vision and inspire other people who are really good at something, right. Yeah, to do that thing for you. But we, we never step away from a leadership position. So. Everybody can do a little check in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and on that caveat, I would, I would add like leadership is messy. So some people are panicking right now because they're like, I'm, I suck as a leader and <laughs> we all do at times. So like, so take, you know, take the expectation of what it means to be a leader. There's imperfect for sure leaders. And we all, you can't grow as a leader unless you're leading. You absolutely can't. Like you just got to do it and know that it's not going to be perfect and trust that that if you don't know something, you can ask and you can figure it out. But it's the this- key is authenticity. Definitely. Right? Because yes, leadership is messy. And guess what? As a leader, you're not always going to make the right decision. No. And, but the thing is, is that's okay. Because that's how you figure things out. But do everything from authenticity. Yeah. Right? And it's okay to say you messed up. Yeah. I do this regularly. So I feel for Trisha, you know, Trisha's on our team. You've heard me talk about Trisha. She's amazing. She's a unicorn. She can do so many things that sometimes like, I'll just be like, can you unicorn this thing? And she's like, sure, I'll figure it out. And then I'm throwing so many things at her. So we've had to put a lot of systems and processes in place to make it less messy in terms of how, you know, I work with Trisha and I lead Trisha so that she can be successful and effective in her job and not feel like she's running uphill all the time. So it's, it's this ongoing management. And one of the things that, you know, we've talked about was the seven questions, like Rebecca, you um, over time have, and, or from your experience have developed these seven questions when you have team members to make sure that they're like, you're leading them, but it also helps them lead themselves Mm -hmm. so that if, if a role isn't good for someone, like they'll quit before you have to let them go. And I think that's, that's effective leadership. When somebody can come to you and say, Hey, listen, I'm not a really good fit for this position anymore. And I think I'm going to give my two weeks notice and exit stage left rather than continue to be in this painful position. So there's also lots of things that you can put in place to make leading easier. I mean, leading is part of being, is part of being, uh, it's part of being a part of a team. Right? Totally. So yeah. 
you know, when I say like, hey, if you're not willing to lead, you might want to rethink this. To Ursula's point, what do you think leading means? Because if you think it's never making a mistake and being the best and being on all the time, that's not leadership. So, you know, that might be maybe, you know, maybe we have all these other topics. So maybe we should just do one on leadership one time, what that really means. Yeah, I'm writing these all down. So it's good. All, all right. right. What's next? We're keep moving. So next success secret I want to talk about, and these are in no particular order. And in, in fact, like they're probably not even in a good order, but there are things that I was excited to talk about. And so there's threads that go back and forth. But this one's a like, this is number four, is that successful CEOs definitely don't work all the time. They, they might look like they do, or you might think they do, or they work at weird times, but I guarantee you they have really cool other activities somewhere in their day. And for some of them, I mean, controversial, but you know, someone that comes to mind is Elon Musk. Like he probably is always working on his companies or tweeting, like probably that's what he's doing a lot of the time. He's probably got some other things that he does, but for him, you know, having X amount of companies might be like what he loves. So there's no judgment in what, what you, how you love to spend your time. A lot of CEOs, they have, they have hobbies though. They have, uh, or they have, they're at the gym or they're at the golf course or they're at the spa or they're at their rotary or they're hanging out with friends, but weaved through their day, like woven through their day, they have all these other things that they do. And I know that because if you work all the time, at some point you will totally burn out. So they, they stay in business. I guarantee you they have some practices that they're doing or some fun things. So Rebecca, how have you seen this show up? I know yeah, you like so, to be on a golf course. So yeah, I do at least once a week. Um, they, they, so here's the thing is, you know, depending on how old you are, right. You, you might re relate to this or not, but we don't currently, we do not measure impact or gain or anything like that by how much time we spend on something. Um, something very popular, whatever, 15 years ago or so was if you spend 10,000 hours on something, you're an expert, right? Ooh, like, yeah. we don't measure impact by time. We measure impact by impact, right? Um, so if you're saying like, I, you know, we, we do this thing and we do a, in our two day workshop, the two X intensive, we work with people on how to release 10 hours, and, you know, I see sometimes, especially a little bit older, you know, when like, well, how many hours a week are you working? And the pride that it's like 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And that's just that, that, that measuring stick doesn't exist anymore. I don't hashtag grind, hashtag hustle. Mm, I don't know. And, you know, it's about what you do with your time. It's about, can you actually see it all the way through where it's like, if I do this, this is where it comes out in revenue or comes out in new clients or comes out in client successes. And what we're learning more and more is the more you diversify your time and your activities, the better you are actually at like the thing that you took a break from. So I mean, I was stubborn. I mean, I, I was a warrior that used to work 100 plus hours a week. I remember working 45 days in a row without a day off and thought, well, that's going to get me somewhere. No, it just got me actually ill right? <laughs> or not right. doing well. So it's a all this, you guys, if you're if you're if you're kind of seeing a theme on these seven success secrets, it's awareness, right? It's awareness of having a goal. It's awareness of what you're saying yes or no to. It's awareness. Are you leading or are you just being led? And here it's about awareness. 
what are you doing with your time? Like what is really a needle mover Yeah. versus just being busy? So I don't believe, you know, and for the last several years, especially like we attract a lot of uh, mom, mamas, right? Yep. And they want to be with their kids. Who doesn't? I mean, maybe some people are like, I don't want to be with the kids, but most people <laughs> do with their kids. That's okay. And so it's like, well, how do I, you can have it all. You can run a business and be with your kids or do stuff. And I think, you know, the movement that we're, that we're going towards now is, look, I want to do something and make money that's important, impactful, that I enjoy. And I actually want that money to fund what I love whatever that is. And I really see that movement happening. I see happening with myself, right? So like attracts like, and so that's, that's what we're seeing, but you don't have to work all the time. You don't have to be busy. You just have to do the right things at the right time. And you can create the schedule that you want. We've done it with our clients for years yeah, um, through our 720 process. So that is a possibility. Again, that just comes from the belief of, do you think you need to or can you actually get aware and conscious of what you are doing to create the life that you want? Yeah, agreed. I think our most popular work schedule is 10 to 2. Whatever time. <laughs> yeah. so, like a lot of our moms and our dads are like, I want to work 10 to 2 and you know be available for drop-off and pick up and you know, sports things or whatever in between. And then a lot of our like once they hit the 10 to 2, then they're like, mm, I don't really want to work Fridays anymore. And I kind of want to, you know, have a flexible Monday schedule. And so pretty soon they've designed their day down to like, we've seen it three days a week, 10 to two. And for a lot of our clients, it's like, I don't believe that's possible. Or I love working too much. And guess what? You're right. Like you can have however you want it, but if you're listening and you're like, I want the 10 to two schedule, come and hang out with us. Like, well, we can help you get a 10 to two schedule. If that's something you, and I'll tell you at the end, how you can connect with us, but that is totally possible. It's totally possible. In fact, what I love about the 10 to two schedule is that it forces you to fix all your systems, processes, sales, marketing, and finance, and all the other things that I missed to take your company to, it forces you to scale your business. Like yeah. When you choose a new schedule and you work less, that means you have to have the right team, the right systems. And that's when, like, that's the genius spot that we work with our clients on to help them really set themselves up to scale. Yeah. All right. We're going to keep going. 10 to So speaking of team, the next one. Okay. And this is, let me put this caveat in here. This, this is for businesses that are under, I would say 3 million, 3 million or under. Okay. Above that, this probably doesn't apply, but that's kind of where a lot of our clients are 3 million or less. So here's the success secret. They don't have big teams. They have very efficient systems and processes. Mm -hmm. I remember working with a client who before they got to a million wanted to have 10 people on their team super costly, 10 W2s. Like that was their goal. And I was like, I don't get the math here because it's going to be very expensive. Like at a million dollar business with 10 W2s, you're going to be poor. Like the business is not going to be profitable. Anyway, they got to 10 and they were like, we have too many people. And then they started letting people go and realized that that was more of like kind of an ego driven goal to have a big team and to feel like, oh, I'm managing people. They didn't need it. I would say a lot of our clients have seven figure companies with two or three people on their team. If that, and those aren't even necessarily W-2s. So what I'm saying is you can have as many people on your team as you want, or you can have a very efficient team, very efficient systems and processes, right? And have a handful of people that really run your company well. When you have the right people and you have fine-tuned systems and processes, you don't need a big team. Rebecca, what would you add? What have you noticed? We don't throw people at problems. 
Oh, let's talk about that. Hashtag. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that's where you get overwhelmed because you don't have systems and processes uh, or you get burnt out. So you don't want to deal with it anymore. Uh, you're not willing to just like learn a little bit about how to lead something. So we just start hiring people that make things easier for us or I don't want to deal with upset clients. So I'm just going to hire a customer service person because they're way nicer than I am. We don't throw people at problems. Yeah. And, you know, again, this is a leadership thing where it's like, you know, and it's, I'm not, it's not like, uh, it's not a leadership thing. Like, uh, don't be willing, you know, be willing to do anything you would hire someone to do. No, no, I don't believe that either. Uh, you know, lead it. But yeah, you can't, if you just find yourself hiring to get stuff off your plate because you're overwhelmed, you don't like doing it, you're burnt out, et cetera, then that's, that's where we need to look. Because here's the thing is you're just hiring someone like that. No one wants to be used like that. Right. Uh, most people want to be uh, impactful in the company. They want to know how they're going to win. They want to know how they're going to help the company win. They want to feel good when they go home about what they're doing. And if, if if you're just giving me your sloppy seconds as an employee, like I just, I'm not interested because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I've seen, and, and here's the thing, I've seen huge companies. I've seen eight, nine figure companies go in the red because they just hired more people to deal with what they just wouldn't go in and fix themselves. And uh, so I've seen it a lot, corporate, small business. Um, it can't be something it's like, it's like having super unruly kids and you're like, I'm just going to send them to daycare. <laughs> Wait, does, not, does not solve the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it does for the day though, Rebecca, it does. So but not so the long haul, you, not the long haul. What would, what would you do instead? So what's the, what's the. Yeah. So part of it is, you know, being conscious, consciously hiring and like, it's almost like inviting someone to the family, right? Like, or to the tribe, like, yeah. how is this going to help the tribe? How, how is this going to help me grow the business? If I'm, if I'm bogged down because I'm manually emailing all new clients and I'm manually sending them things, then of course, like, and this is what we talk about in time. Like, well, it's like, well, if I could say 15 hours a week, you know, having an admin that this is what they do. They know this is why they do it. They know this is how it helps the company. And this is what I'm going to do with those 15 hours that I get back. That's consciously scaling and hiring to be like, I'm overwhelmed. I just need help. Come here and hi I'll hire you. And then I like micromanage that person to do all those things. And that's where it gets expensive because now you're hiring someone and paying double plus your time to get something done. And you're not like reorganizing your time to actually grow the business. So it's it's conscious hiring and it's consciously hiring the right person to do the right thing. It might be time to up-level your pricing, right? It might be time to up-level your type of client. And then you're just doing more higher level work for higher pay and not hiring more people. And you can see it be like, oh, see, sometimes we think growth is so linear and it's not, it's actually compounded. Right. Right. So figuring yeah. that out is the key. Yeah. Well, and that, so finding, um, figuring out your sales formula and how to get there is what drives the conversation of, in mm -hmm. this case, with this client, like, okay, maybe I do need to, like, I have to change something because that's not yeah. sustainable, yeah. right? But if you tell me your numbers, I'll tell you how many sales you need to get there. And then you might go, I don't want to do that. It's like, okay, we'll go talk to Rebecca and figure out your new price and figure out like, what is a sustainable way to get there? Or what yeah. is the process that works? Yeah. So, yeah. It's very multidimensional. I mean, and this, these are the things, this is why 
you know, we, we do these shows because it's not just one straight road to like the business that you want. Like it, it encompasses a lot of things. And so it really is like Ursula said about finding your formula. It's about the right offer for the right person at the right time, solving the right problem, meeting the right need that works for you. And too many times we unconsciously look at other companies and be like, oh, well, this is where I should be. This is how many employees I should have. This is where my pricing should be. It's, it's nice to consider, but it might not be what's for you. Well, it's one of the reasons we built a, a marketing formula for our clients. Cause we were having this conversation so many times. So finally, you know, the three of us, Rebecca, myself, Trisha, we sat down we're like, all right, we got to tweet that. Like, we got to come up with a, like a formula. So like when you put, you put your sales number and it's going to spit out how many sales you have. And then if your closing ratio is 50%, how much, you know, how many leads do you really need? And then what's your cost per lead going to be and what's sustainable? And I think that that tool has been so telling for our clients. I mean, it's multi-layered, but it's like, now we can all look at that and say, all right, something's got to change if you want to scale your business. So, mm-hmm. so and we'll talk about that in the end too. For some of you who are like, what are you doing at the CEO table? We want to learn more. We'll tell you how you can learn more. All right, we have two left. I want to make sure we, we stick on time here. So the sixth, um, the sixth success secret is that CEOs who grow their businesses to multi-millions, they love the game. They love the game of business. In fact, in many ways, they gamify their marketing, they gamify their sales, they gamify their finance. Like it's, it's just, it's fun for them. And we see it happen when clients fill out our work in progress report that helps them track their sales pipeline. They fill out their revenue model and clients who said, I hate the numbers in the beginning. Like when we first met with them, they're like, I hate the numbers. I'm never going to do this are typically the ones if they use the forms, like a year later, they're like, I love filling out the work in progress report. It's helped me triple my sales. Right. I love you know, my quantum revenue model, because for whatever reason, now my numbers are at that level. I have two X myself. It's amazing when they start to gamify it. So I know you've, you've witnessed this, you've experienced it. What would you add or what what have you witnessed with our clients? Yeah. I mean, I think part of that loving the game is because they're willing, they, it, it challenges you as a person to grow it. um, You see the possibility of impact on who you can help and serve, like the more you grow. So it's kind of easy to get addicted to that. Right. And I would say for me, like in coaching, I actually don't see myself ever not coaching Uh, just because I love it. Man, after 20 years, it doesn't get old to see the light bulb go off, to see someone, you know, or to get a message. It's like, I never thought this was possible. And now I'm doing this. So that get that, that creates the love, but also for me personally, uh, man, it just helps me grow. Like it, I say, I always coach because it, it keeps my saw sharp, no matter what, right? Uh, so, you know, newer businesses, uh, six-figure businesses, multi-million dollar businesses. But, you know, what, what is the saying? Like, it's not work. If You know, if you enjoy doing it, it's not work or whatever. No, I, I think if you're balanced, that. right? If you actually, you know, understand it. And when people get sick of their business, it's because it's not giving them what they need. It's not giving them the revenue. It's not giving them the freedom. It's not giving them the possibilities because the second someone's like, well, I want to do a different business. I don't like this business. And I'm like, well, if this business was paying you 10 grand a month, would you like it? And they're like, well, of course. (laughs) Well, it's not really the business. It's like what's happening inside of it. So I'm really finding that passion and seeing like what the, not what the end game is, but just like what the impact is. 
Um, and then how that reverberates back in your life, I think is healthy. Um, and I think it's being a great model uh, for other people. So yeah, how can you make this fun? If it isn't fun, you're not going to do it very long. Uh, well, that's for sure. And a lot of times it's, you know, did you create a company or a job that you hate? Mm-hmm. To your point? And now I'm just going to a job every day that I hate. And they're like, it's just a job I hate. Like, what did I do wrong? I didn't yeah. do anything wrong. We just have to pull you out from under the business and create it so that it's sustainable. All right. Last one, seven, the seventh success secret of successful CEOs. They have strong relationships with team and everyone around them. Now, is that always true? Uh, You know, there's exceptions to every rule. So you're probably thinking, I know a CEO and I don't really like them that much. Okay. But they might have relationships with people that do like them, right? Everyone's got the people that they relate to. But they, you know, it's like they they develop team and colleagues and people around them that share their values. Mm-hmm. And I can think of, and they they love they love being in they love the community that they've created. They love being in community with other people who are like them. But they develop these strong connections because, like, without without your who, of course, quoting the book Who Not How, Dan Sullivan, love that book. Without your who, it's impossible to, you can't grow the business in a vacuum. You need clients, you need team members, you need mentors, you need coaches, you need consultants, you need people who are smarter than you around you. Like it is a full on village that grows a company and successful CEOs have strong relationships with people around them. Rebecca, what have you seen about? Yeah, it's, it, honestly, it's all about connection. And as humans, that's what we want. Yeah. Can we be connected to the wrong people or the people that don't serve us. Absolutely. You know? So again, it comes back to awareness. It comes back to that, like, you know, I mean, I remember a long time ago doing it for the money and like really deciding to not do it for the money anymore. And like making a pledge, like, Hey, I'm going to, I need to love all my clients. Like that's who I'm going to work with. Like people that I love. And for the most part, I've done that, you know, for the last decade and it's changed everything about my life. Uh, and it's changed my business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes we talk or so about like what we're tolerating. Yeah. You know, and this might be an area where are you tolerating a relationship and for why are you tolerating a team member and why I see that a lot. I see people tolerate team members because they'd rather for some reason live in just in the fear of like, well, at least they do 30% of the work and instead of me doing all of it. But like, you know, again, that's a check in with yourself, you know, check your connection with your business partners, with your team members, with your clients. If there's not an alignment there, then maybe there's a shift that needs to happen. And it doesn't mean go start dumping people everywhere. I think it all comes back to you, right? And who you're being and how you're showing up. And sometimes we're human and we show up unconsciously. And then that creates these issues, these decisions, these people we work with, these clients that we take on because we just need the money. Uh, and so we just show up differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so really it's a check-in. It's a check-in for connection. Uh, we're humans. We all need some sort of connection. Uh, we thrive on connection. When we have a good connection, that makes things very symbiotic and simple. Um, so it is that for number seven, it is it is a check-in. Um, and not that there's a good, bad, right, wrong about it. It's just an awareness. Right. And ultimately, we want to know that people care about us. I mean, I think we're in a time, especially now where, you know, coming out of the pandemic, I think a lot of people have struggled, you know, emotionally, they've struggled financially, they've struggled in a lot of ways. And so 
people are really craving that connection and they want to feel like your clients want to feel connected to you, your customers want, even if you don't have that direct contact, maybe it's how you send emails out to your whole list. Maybe it's how you represent yourself and your company on social media. One of the things we tell our clients regularly is we love them. We care about them. Like that, that translates. And when we're in session with our clients, our clients know how much we care about them. And we respond to their emails quickly, we respond to their needs because we, we, deeply desire for them to succeed. And I know, I know that's why many of our clients stay in our community or they come back, they might leave for a little and they'll come back and hang out with us in a different way because there's something about, they just crave this community and this connection. So I think that's it, Rebecca. You know, before we wrap up though, for our listeners, if this conversation is really resonating with you and, and you'd love to hang out with us more, there's two ways to do that as a next step. If you haven't yet, you can go to UrsulaInc.co. On the homepage, we have the Quantum Revenue Expansion Masterclass. You can get enrolled there and it does three things. It helps you expand your quantum revenue container, up-level your marketing, your prices, your packaging, and it also teaches you how to collapse times. Collapse time. It's three hours total. It's not three days, it's three hours, but it's a great way to get your new year started and to hang out with us there. Then like if you're really feeling the pull and you want to learn more about the 2X intensive, that is our signature course where we show you, Rebecca and I show you exactly in two days how to 2X your revenue and shave 10 or more hours off your work week. And if you want to learn more, you can go to UrsulaInc.co forward slash apply. So I'll be in the show notes, send us a little bit of information about yourself and we'll get a 30 minute call scheduled with you to see how and if we can help you. And if we can't, we have other resources as well. Rebecca Hall, thanks for hanging out and for sharing your wisdom. And we wish you a phenomenal, phenomenal 2023, your best year yet. Awesome. And to our listeners all over the world, we adore you. We're grateful for you. Thanks for hanging out. This um, show is on YouTube. It's also on all, you know, wherever you're listening right now. So if you feel the pull, definitely give us a review that helps other CEOs see why they should listen to. All right, everybody, that's it. Make this your most epic year yet. Bye guys. Thank you for joining us today. And if you are ready to make your next quantum leap, let's do it. Ursula invites you to join us at the 2X Intensive. Go to salescoachnow.com apply. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.